0: Well, I'm delighted to be with you once again this evening. And uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20, verse 9. Uh, As we're turning there, I just want to warn you. I asked your pastor, I said, Now, you know, I'm kind of spoiled in my church. I get to preach a long time. Uh, What's the outline here and parameters? He said, Well, Sunday morning... You know, it needs to be a little shorter, but these other nights, you just take as long as you need. (laughs) Well, the song says, I need thee every hour, so (laughs) I should at least get one hour to preach, don't you think? (laughs) This morning we talked about, in Luke chapter 6, the wise man that built his house on a rock and how Jesus says... Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? This idea of building our life on the rock of Jesus Christ is found throughout the Scriptures, not only in the New Testament but in the Old. And uh, just a segue to our text in Luke, remember what Jesus says to Peter when he says, uh, Who do the people say that I am? And uh, they have different answers, John the Baptist, others... And then he turns and, and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but thy, my Father in heaven. And he says, and I say unto you, that upon this rock will I build my church. Now that's not Peter and the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church. That's the rock of confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He is God, and that we should follow Him completely. Jesus refers to Himself as a rock uh, more than once, or a cornerstone. We're going to see that here in our text, Luke chapter 20. Let's take a look now as Jesus is in the last week of His ministry on earth, and He's talking to the hypocritical Pharisees, and He shares a parable here in Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 9. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. And at that season he sent a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, and entreated him shamefully, and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also, and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, "'What shall I do?' I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, "'This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance may be ours.'" So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And when he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written, The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall it will grind him to powder may god add his blessing and understanding to the reading of this his holy word we are going to go to several passages tonight but i wanted to start out here Christ Jesus, of course, is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the foundation stone. He's both the stone on the foundation. He's the cornerstone with which all of the building follows the parameters and the direction of the cornerstone. Uh, and He's the capstone and the keystone. He's the author and the finisher. He's the first and the last. He's the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning and the end of all that makes any difference to anyone here on the face of the earth, especially us as Christians. But Jesus is here talking about God, who's given this vineyard to Israel, Israel, in Isaiah chapter five, and other places in the Old Testament, it's it's seen a a, uh, a husbandry example. In other words, God's given Israel as a as a vineyard, and He's asked the Jewish people, He's given them the opportunity to tend the garden, kind of like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And uh, when He comes to receive the fruits of the vineyard He's given Israel, what fruits? The spiritual fruits repentance righteousness holiness remember we were talking about this morning how will you know the difference between someone who comes to jesus hears and doesn't do and someone who comes and hears and does well by their fruits you will know them so he sends these prophets if you will these individuals to his vineyard to receive the fruit and instead of receiving the fruits of his own vineyard his own people reject him and get mad well, forgive me, they get mad at the preacher, by the way. <laughs> what are you doing expecting us to give you fruits? Get out of here. And, uh, and he sends another preacher. And they do the same thing to that preacher. <laughs> and, uh, and he sends another one. And finally, they kill him. And, and finally, and this is all of a picture, a parable of God and his people, Israel. And now finally, I'll send my beloved son surely they'll reverence him well of course who's the beloved son jesus christ and what do they do when they see him this is the heir let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours jesus says what will god do to these uh, wicked individuals and it says he shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others when the lord returns those who refuse to give god what is his will be dealt with in a terrible way because they refused they stumbled at a stone what stone is that a stumbling stone, Jesus Christ, a rock of offense. You know, you can go to uh, these uh, these courthouses and, and all sorts of civic events and you can say a prayer in Muhammad's name, in Hare Krishna's name, in Buddha's name, in Barack Hussein Obama's name. You might even try Donald Trump. No, you probably better not do that. But but if if you pray in Jesus' name, they're going to be mad at you. There's something special about Jesus' name. We just sang about all authority in heaven and earth, all power in heaven and earth is in the name, above all names, the name of Jesus. And somehow, even unbelievers understand this, and they get fighting mad when you dare use the name of Jesus Christ in prayer. Any other names, okay. Jesus Christ is a problem. Why? Because he's a stumbling stone. Many have stumbled at Jesus. They're okay coming to church. They're okay with this idea that we're supposed to be good. And yes, we have Christmas and we have Easter. That's those CEO Christians. You've heard of them, right? Christmas and Easter only. CEO. But the point is... When it really comes down to saying Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. He's the one that tells me what to do each day. He's the one that tells me how my relationship should be. How my pocketbook should be. My bank account. My time. My affections. Whether or not I should do this, that other thing. He is the Lord of my life. This is where we start to back off some people. He's a stumbling stone. He says some people are going to stumble. The Jews, Jesus is a stumbling block. To the greeks or the gentiles he's foolishness he says what is this then that is written in the old testament in one the one passage that talks about christ and a messianic prophecy the stone which the builders rejected of course his own people reject him they they despitefully used him they cast him out yes of jerusalem and even put him to death on a cross some 2000 years ago the stone that is rejected the same has become the head of the corner jesus christ whosoever shall fall upon this stone shall be broken brothers and sisters i don't know about you but i've got close family that have been broken and if they're not mended if they don't come to christ before it's all over I, i'd like to say that muslims are going to go to heaven because i got 300,000 muslim relatives I'd like to say that. That'd be awfully convenient. It would be easy on my conscience, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that unless they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, unless they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that Christ God hath raised Him from the dead, they will not be saved. They will be damned. Do we have brothers and sisters, mothers, children, grandchildren that you are not quite sure about? Do they stumble at the stumbling block? And he says, whoever this stone shall fall on shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And that last day, we don't know when that last day is, but if we haven't believed before then, it's too late that stone will come and will fall and grind us to powder god forbid but we are persuaded better things of you brothers and sisters because you're here and you love the lord and you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness and for a closer relationship with jesus christ and jesus says that he who is hungry will be filled and so i'm glad you're here tonight because there's a lot i'd like to share with you we talk about christ being a stone or the rock did you know the bible talks about us as stones as well that we are little rocks if you will turn with me to first peter if you would first peter chapter 2 there's this beautiful passage in first peter chapter 1 talking about we who've been born again we who've believed on the lord jesus christ we who have been saved by the blood of the savior and then in first peter chapter 2 it talks about if we are in fact born again if we are Christians if we understand who our rock is if we know that come hell or high water we cannot be moved ultimately we cannot be shaken we have the joy of the Lord and that's our strength then how should we live chapter 2 of 1 Peter verse 1 wherefore laying aside all malice And all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We should love to read the word of God. We should be reading the word of God more than anything else. Unfortunately as a pastor I've seen people who read the whole newspaper from front to back every morning before they go to work or eat breakfast. And you ask them how much Bible reading they've done lately and they get embarrassed. That's not a Christian, that's a worldling. They're more interested in what the newspaper has to say than what the Word of God has to say. I'm amazed at how many people who call themselves Christians who've never read this book. It's not like God gave you a 75-volume series. Have you ever read a book before? Is there anyone in here, don't raise your hand, is there anyone in here who's never read this Bible cover to cover? If you say you're a Christian, if you say that God has written you this book, don't you think it's worth the time just to read this one little book? I say this because in my own church, up until recently, God has been answering prayers and people are reading, but I found that I come to a church that's conservative and evangelical, and a lot of people in that church had never read the Bible. I said, that's interesting. Have you ever read any other books? Oh, sure, I read books all the time. Well, what about the one that your God wrote to you? Oh, well, I don't know. I, I don't have much time. Well, how did you get the time for all these other books? Forgive me for that commercial break. Let's get back to 1 Peter 2. All right, so uh, if so be, it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that's the word of God, that you may grow thereby. You want to grow closer to Christ, you need to be in the Word. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. Why are people afraid? Why do people have panic attacks? Uh, Why are people uh, just tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, everything that happens in the news and everything else? Because our faith is in the world. Our faith is in the news. Our faith is in what we're hearing on, God forbid, Twitter and Facebook and all these other ridiculous things. And we spend more time on hearing people's opinions than we hear the absolute truth of a holy, infinite, eternal God who has written us this love letter penned in the blood of His Son Jesus Christ, if we will listen to the word of God, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, we will grow thereby. As born again believers, newborn babes, we are conformed from grace to grace to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ being sanctified, being transformed into the image of Christ and we begin to grow and we begin to get excited and it becomes contagious and people either think you're a crazy religious not like Pastor Joseph or they end up becoming more religious themselves and they find that the way is not religion but the way is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about, the rock. Verse 3, If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone. Jesus is a living stone, not a dead stone. What's the difference between Jesus and Muhammad? Oh, there's too many to, to list. But one is, if you want to go see Muhammad's tomb, you go to Medina, Saudi Arabia, and whatever's left of his bones are down in a box. You go to Jerusalem, and you go to that tomb outside and Jesus' tomb is empty. Muhammad's dead. Jesus is alive. Buddha's bones are supposed to be in a gold bowl. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God, fully alive, ever living to make intercession for us. He is a lively stone. It says, it says here... To whom coming, to Jesus, as unto a living stone, disallowed or rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye... That's that second person pearl of the King James, which we translate here in Alamance County as to what? Y'all. And y'all are listening. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Y'all, y'all also... As lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Did you see the Bible calls you a stone? He didn't say you were stoned. He says you are a stone. You are a lively stone built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That means that we have to do something. Did you know that the Bible says that we as Christians are expected to do something daily? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be priests of the Most High God. Now, I'm not talking about the Roman Catholic idea of priests uh, or an orthodox idea of priests that you stand as an intermediary intermediary between Christians and and God and and you take confession and, and they kiss your ring and all that. No, no. There is a spiritual priesthood. Everyone who's a believer, we believe that every single one of you, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, the Bible calls you a saint. Did you know that? You are a saint and you are a priest of the most high god how so a priest i thought we paid pastor gerald for that no no <laughs> he's your pastor but he's not your priest we only have one priest collectively his name's jesus christ our high priest but if you're a believer you're a priest god says you're a priest and you have a job to do and what's that job to offer daily spiritual sacrifices under the most high god are you doing it you say well i don't even know what you're talking about how in the world can i do it well listen up ye also are lively stones, you Chris, he doesn't say you who are mature in the faith, or you men and not women or women. No, no, you all, y'all ye are lively stones, built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he that's Jesus is precious, but unto them which be o disobedient, that stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the Word. A lot of people stumble at the Word today. The Word of God is wonderful, it's great, and we have churches today, a lot of them are growing really fast because they figured out something. If all we say is the worm fuzzies, if all we do is tell the good things, and we leave out all of the negative stuff, people will like it, and they'll come back, and guess what? They're right. But let me ask you, are they really hearing the Word of God? They have found that people stumble at the whole counsel of the Word of God. And that's what it says right here. Jesus Christ, He's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the Word. The Word. The Word. They are disobedient whereunto they were appointed. But you, Christians, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood Yes, a peculiar people, a holy nation, that you should show forth praises unto him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conversation, that means how you live your life day to day, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may behold your good works which they behold and glorify God in the day of visitation. Listen, folks, God has called you to work for him. Being a believer is not just fire insurance. Praise God for the fire insurance. If you're born again, you won't go to hell. You will live eternally in heaven in the presence of God. But in the meantime, God has called you and has equipped you and empowered you to work for him. It's a very high calling. It doesn't matter whether you're retired or whether you're in school or what your job is. That's okay. But your career, if you're born again, is serving the Most High God. How do we do that? It says that you're a living stone in the household of God based on the foundation of the rock, Jesus Christ. It says that you are a holy priesthood you to make spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God by Jesus Christ. What are we talking about? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, proving what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God the Father. You see, God, if you're born again, your spirit is new. Your mind is being renewed. Romans 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. Okay, It's being renewed as you read the Word of God. But what about our bodies? How many of you know that when you get born again, you don't go back to 20 years old? <laughs> now, you young people don't know about that yet. But, but <laughs> you ask some of these wonderful gray-headed folks. <laughs> our spirit is renewed. Our soul is renewed. But our body doesn't get renewed. Not yet. If you're born again, you're, you will get a new body, a glorious body, a glorified body. But that's at the second coming. In the meantime, though the outward man perish... And if you're not sure about this, just ask older folks. The outward man does perish. The inward man is renewed day by day. So what are we supposed to do with our bodies then? If God has saved the soul completely and the spirit, but the body is is not yet saved, use your body as a living sacrifice daily, an instrument of his praise, an instrument to give him glory, an instrument to lead others to Jesus Christ. Keep it holy, keep it pure, keep it a vessel for God to fill with the power of his Holy Spirit that people that are perishing all around us, people committing suicide, people on drugs, people tied up in pornography and you name it, just look at what's going on around us. How are they going to see Christ? If they're not reading their Bible, the only thing they have to read is your life and your testimony. When they see you, is there enough evidence to convict you as being a Christian? Is there enough evidence about you, the way you live, the way you talk, the way you act? The joy that you have, even in the midst of trials and troubles and sorrows, we are to be living sacrifices that they will ask you the reason for the hope that is within you. That's what Peter says, as a matter of fact, in 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready. Be ready, Christian, always to give an answer to everyone that asketh you the reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. We're to be living sacrifices every day. Lord, here I am. How can I be used for you today? Oh what a glorious life it can be when we you know you've seen the sign maybe some of you church signs are are kind of cute sometimes and mine is so cute that the the uh national news picked it up one time that's another story uh anyways we have a newspaper in Charlotte we call it the Charlotte the Charlotte Disturber and uh they wrote about it one time but the point is this they, they I've seen the sign um you know God is my co-pilot. Have you seen that? Or oh, you seen it on car bumpers that God is my co-pilot? Well, the best sign is if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. <laughs> Let God be the driver in your life. You are a living sacrifice. The Bible tells us here and in Romans chapter 12 that we as Christians, we are our priests in this order, and we don't have time to get into it now, but Jesus is a high priest. He is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Some of you have heard of Melchizedek. And we are priests in a spiritual sense. We are ambassadors of Christ. But we're not just a priest. You know, in the Old Testament, you had this sacrificial system. And I point to this because this is not an altar where you make animal sacrifice. But in the Old Testament, they had an altar there in the temple where they would bring animal sacrifices. This is before, of course, the sacrifice of Christ. So you had an animal sacrifice. It had to be killed. And this, of course, was showing that uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. An innocent animal has to be killed uh, in place of guilty man. And, of course, ultimately that was abolished when God himself came down, the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb sacrificed for us. Anyhow, there was a priest, there was a sacrifice, and it was always made of the temple. You as a New Testament Christian are a priest, you're a sacrifice, and you're the temple. Did you ever think about that? The Bible says here, you are lively stones making up the temple of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe it's verse 19, it says you are the temple of God because once you're born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of you. You also are priests, and you also are called to be that living sacrifice. We see, we think of the priests of the Old Testament. They had to go through all these rituals. They had to be holy or they couldn't, they couldn't approach God just any way they wanted. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, came into the, to the tabernacle with strange fire that God didn't ordain. And he struck them dead just there. But thank God that we are able to come by a new and living way and be very close to the holiest of holies in that old testament tabernacle or temple there was the the ark of the covenant anybody seen indiana jones that first one that's what that was referring to that's that ark of the covenant and nobody could go in there but the high priest once a year but now when jesus died on the cross for you and for me and all who would believe and he says it is finished, what is finished, the way between God and man, which has been separated by sin, our sins and iniquities have separated us from the most high God, now the way to restoration of fellowship and communion with the God of the universe, the one who made us and gave himself for us, is made manifest, that veil that separated all of humanity from the presence of God was miraculously rent in twain so that we might now have access to the very presence of the Holy of Holies, the living God. Why? Because now we are priests of the New Testament. God is calling upon you and me, every believer, not just the paid minister or the missionary or the evangelist, but each and every one of you is a minister of the Most High God in your family, in your home, in your job, in your school. You need to be shining the light. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? What does he say? You need to be sought. You need to be light. You need to be seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. You need to be doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. As we mentioned this morning, all of it summed up in loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself. I want to ask you today, what have you been sacrificing lately? I'm not talking about fasting or doing lent or those types of things you know i'm talking about daily what do you give up from your desires which you know are contrary to god so that god might more use you as a vessel of his mercy his grace his salvation his power to the dying and perishing people all around us And if you're like every other north carolinian i know the dying and perishing people in our own families and maybe even in our own house what are we doing god wants to use us for his glory god wants to use us as vessels of his glory his grace his salvation his mercy we can't be lights if we hide it under a basket our salt cannot be very effective if it loses its savor if we try to be more politically correct than correct we're not pleasing the lord folks it's time to be bold you have been called to be sons and daughters of the most high god here upon this earth people around us are perishing you're the only answer you say i don't want to upset anybody i don't want to offend anybody would you rather offend them and see them go to heaven or would you rather to have coffee with them and smile and laugh and One day find out that they're in hell forever and ever with no escape because you and I refuse to offend them with the stumbling stone, but the only stone that is the corner and the foundation of anything that is good and true salvation, our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, please, please, it's time for us to get militant. Militant, yes, militant in the spirit, not in the flesh. Jesus says, uh, my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world then would my servant fight we as christians we can serve our country we can serve in the military but we're not called to go with the sword and 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 point people you know convert or we're going to kill you no no that's islam muhammad's kingdom was of this world and his servants did fight but jesus kingdom is not of this world but we must fight we must fight spiritually. We're going to talk about that tomorrow night. We've been called to a spiritual warfare. There is an enemy who hates us. And the more adamant and dogmatic and bold we will be in our testimony, yes, there will be a pushback. But you're only getting pushback because like an old uh, fighter pilot once told me, he says, when you're catching flack, you know you're over the target. If you're not being persecuted as a Christian at all, If you're not feeling uncomfortable as a Christian at all, maybe it's because you're not being that strong testimony that God would have you to be. Because let me tell you, if you want to be persecuted as a Christian, just go to any neighborhood and knock on every door. I'd like to talk today about Jesus Christ. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, if you don't, you're on your way to hell. Can I talk to you about that? (laughs) You'll begin to see persecution if not the first house it's just just knock on a few more doors the point is we need to be stepping out for the lord we are part of this spiritual house that god is building we are the body of christ here on earth The body of Christ is is empowered with the very Spirit of God. The body of Christ when it was on earth was Jesus of Nazareth. And all of the gifts of the Spirit and all of this was, was manifest in one man. The physical body of Jesus Christ on earth. But when he goes up to heaven... The body of christ is not in heaven and not able just to do nothing here no the body of christ is us now he says it's good for me to go because if i go i'll send the comforter i'll send the holy spirit i'll undo you with with power from on high he says don't even go and preach the gospel until you receive power from the holy spirit and if you're a born again believer you have the power of the holy spirit of god inside of you you have that power you have that unction you have that THAT WORD, YOU HAVE GOD'S BLESSING, AND HIS NAME, AND HIS AUTHORITY, AND WE'LL TALK ABOUT IT TOMORROW NIGHT MORE, EVEN THE VERY ARMAMENT OF GOD. YOU KNOW, WE NEED TO LIVE A LIFE THAT HONORS THE LORD, BECAUSE AFTER ALL, YOU KNOW, I HAD A a VERY SMALL CHURCH WHEN I WAS IN SEMINARY, AND IT'S A LONG STORY, BUT THERE WAS ONLY A HANDFUL OF PEOPLE, AND I HAD ONE GUY, HE JUST LOVED TO SMOKE, JUST SMOKE, JUST CHAIN SMOKER, YOU KNOW? And, and he just really stank. He was, <laughs> you know, if you smoke, don't get offended at me. Uh, but, but the point is, he really did. And uh, he would sit in front of the church, and he'd just smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke. And when it's time to go in the meeting house, he'd put his cigarette out and come in. Of course, it didn't help much because he stank so bad when he walked in. And it didn't really bother me that much. But what bothered me was the hypocrisy. I'd almost rather him just keep on smoking and sit down, you know. And I asked him one Sunday, I said, Brother, I said, you know, I notice you're smoking. Why don't you just come on in and smoke? Oh, no, sir, I wouldn't do that. I'd never come within the house of the Lord with a cigarette. No, sir. I said, well, aren't you born again, believer? Yeah. Don't you know the Bible says that your body's the temple of God? Yeah. Don't you think you're filling the temple of God with that tobacco smoke every time you take a drag? Well, I ain't never thought of that. The point is, you see, the point is we are to be holy. God wants to use you. I believe that. The Bible tells us that. That his eyes run to and fro across the earth. Did you know it says that? He's looking for someone through whose heart is perfect towards him, through whom he can show himself strong. God wants to use you in a wonderful way for his glory, saving others, pointing others to Christ. You're part of the household of God. If you're born again, you're not a second-class citizen. We don't believe in different-stage Christians. You have just as much of the opportunity of the Holy Spirit of God as did even the apostles in a sense... Because they received the same Holy Spirit we did, not a different Holy Spirit. What a wonderful truth. Well, I want to move on. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we need to be careful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that we are all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but did you know as Christians, all of us are going to have to stand before the Lord? and give an answer for how we've acted. Did you know that? Some Christians uh, I've come in contact say, no, no, we're saved. We don't have to do that. That's not what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Christians will have to stand before the Lord, and we will have to give an answer of what we have done in the body, good or bad. Now, that's not for salvation, but if we turn back to 1 Corinthians 3, we understand what it is for. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is one more picture of you, Christians, as stones, as a household of God. The Apostle Paul makes this clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. For we are laborers together with God, and y'all, ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You're God's building. You're God's temple. Now, what is he going to say about this? According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. Now, He's changing up the parable here. Yes, we are stones. Jesus Christ is the foundation. You're a stone. Dwight's a stone. I'm a stone. All of us are stones, living stones. And the house of God is being built. And it won't be complete until he returns for his glory. But he's also saying that we help build the house. That's what he's going to change it to now. And he's telling us, take heed. Be careful. How are you building on the house of God? Let's take a look. It says here but let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. Verse 11, For no other foundation can a man lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abides, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Did you know that you as a Christian have rewards waiting for you in heaven? Rewards. If you have been working selflessly for the kingdom of God, God has special rewards for you. I can't imagine personally a reward anything better than eternal life in heaven with Christ. (laughs) Nevertheless, the Bible tells us he has special rewards for your faithfulness. But there's going to be apparently some Christians who don't really get rewards. Here's the picture. It says, verse 14, If any man's work abides which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. So, There's Christians who, unfortunately, did not really serve the Lord as much as they should. But they truly believed. God worked in their heart. Their fruit was very small. And at the last day, they get eternal life. But they don't receive rewards. We're not going to go into it much further than that because the Bible doesn't tell us. There are other Christians who are born again who have served the Lord faithfully and selflessly. And when they get to heaven, they will be given all sorts of rewards. Can you imagine Christ giving you rewards on that day? Can you imagine? I think the biggest reward of all is when we come and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, I long to hear those words one day. Of course, the only way we can hear it is if we're born again, if we're serving the Lord. And then he warns us again, verse 16, know you not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? if any man defile the temple of god him shall god destroy for the temple of god is holy which temple ye are you believers are holy god has made you holy you've been set apart for a purpose you know uh dwight reminded me of something real quickly when i was uh i like to do mechanic work um, and now i halfway know what i'm doing but when i was about 16 and got my grandfather's old car I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I still tried to do it. <laughs> and, you know, you take a screwdriver, and, well, I'm going to use this as a chisel. Well, if it's one of those cheap Chinese jobs, it doesn't last very long. You have a good, good screwdriver, it might be a chisel for a while, but it's not made for that. And sooner or later, that screwdriver is going to break. It's getting beat down. It's, it's, it tears up, because it's not made to be a chisel. Sometimes we go through lots of trouble in life because we're doing what God has not called us to do as believers. We've been created for a purpose. We've been born again for a special purpose. And if you're a Christian, your purpose is to serve the Lord. It doesn't mean you all have to be preachers, all have to be missionaries, but you need to be serving the Lord daily in the Bible, praying, encouraging others, ministering in different ways. It should be in the forefront of your mind. When you wake up in the morning, your first thought shouldn't be about work or about worry or about others. It should be about the Lord. Good morning, Lord. Thank you. I praise your holy name. When we go to sleep, at night we should be praying. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us that you should be meditate on the word of God. Meditate it. Do not let it depart out of thy mouth but meditate therein day and night. Then shalt make, make thy way prosperous and have good success. And God wants you to be prosperous and have good success in the spirit realm so that you might have much fruit to abound to his glory. God has called you. He's created you. He's given his son to die for you so that you might be used as a vessel, as a tool as a living stone to build up his glorious gospel endeavor in his house here upon the earth and each and every one of you are very special and important to god because he set his love upon you not only before you were born but before the foundation of the earth let's finish our message tonight by god's grace in john chapter 15. we started out in Luke chapter 20, with a parable. We end in John chapter 15 with a parable. In Luke chapter 20, God is the one who owns the vineyard, and his people are the vine dressers, or the farmers, if you will, that are supposed to tend to the vine. And this is primarily was talking about the Old Testament, the Jews and God, the covenant God of Israel. Now in John 15, Jesus brings a new parable. Let's look at the similarities and see how it applies directly to us. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus is speaking, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth much fruit. Do you see the things have changed now? We as believers are no longer the husbandmen or the farmers. What are we as believers? We are branches in the vine. Who is the vine? Jesus Christ. We have been promoted from just tending the vine to now being a part of the vine and that could only happen when jesus christ the son of god gave himself so that we might become sons and daughters of the most high god when you have communion next time here in the church think about what it means that you are organically part of god we don't become god we don't become god but we are partakers of the divine nature the holy spirit of god comes inside of us and the the communion that god wants with his creation is now restored in the person of jesus christ i'm the vine you are the branches You're branches you're no longer just looking at the vine and you know and and partaking of it but you're part of the vine if you're a believer look what it says here every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you abide in me Jesus says to you brothers and sisters abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We're talking about being fruitful this morning. How are we fruitful when we are abiding in Christ? It's a difference. It's not that we have to work to be fruitful. We have to simply submit and allow God to do the work through us. The branch doesn't have to work to get sap from the vine It just has to remain attached. Those branches that don't produce fruit, God cuts them off. What branches are those? Are those believers who lost their faith? No, friends. Those are people who profess to be believers who never were truly part of Christ. And when over time it is seen that there is no fruit, God himself cuts them off. It says that they are to be gathered in bundles. And burned. You see this here in verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Did you hear what it says? There's a promise to you as a Christian. If you will abide in Jesus Christ, he says you will bear a little bit of fruit on alternate Sundays. No, no. You will bear much fruit. That's a promise. You should be excited. Abide in Christ. He will make you not fruity, but fruitful. It's getting late. Some of you look drowsy. (laughs) Fruitful for Jesus Christ. For without me, you can do nothing. Never forget that. Without me, you can do nothing. Say, I can do a lot of stuff. Just watch. You can do nothing that will truly honor him without him. That's those works that we try to add to God's glory in his house. Wood, hay, and stubble. Well, Pastor, I'd like to uh, make a, a big donation to the church. Well, that's fine. Go ahead. Well, I would like to come forward and let everybody know how much I'm uh, giving. And uh, I'd like someone to come up here and shout a trumpet to make sure everybody in the church knows how much I gave. That's wood, hay, and stubble, folks. That's just a silly example, but, but that's something not done for God. There's no sacrifice in that. That's done for pride. That's done for self. But those things that are done as sacrifices unto the lord those are the gold and the silver and the precious stones and on that day of judgment and the last day when we stand before our risen lord i guess most of us probably will want to to bow as, as as those who saw the lord did and fall on our face before him but as as he strengthens us and we stand in judgment all of those works will be judged but the real question is at the end of the day and the end of our message tonight Are we abiding in him? How much time do you spend, add it all up in your mind, watching TV, looking at the Internet on the computer, looking at the Internet on your phone, texting, Twitter, Facebook, all of that? On average, what would you say? Don't tell me. But I think in America today, the average is at least six hours, and I think it's gone up from that. How much time a day would you say specifically you take time to read god's word is it more or less which one's more important facebook or god's word the question is if you're spending six hours a day on social media internet tv radio texting and you're spending an average of less than five minutes a day in God's Word, who is your God? Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits. If you really believe that this is God's Word, there is nothing that should keep us from reading this daily. If we hardly ever read it, what does it say about what we really believe? And if we don't really believe, where is our faith? Is our life based on the rock or on the shifting sands of the culture which go and we like, like a, a drunken sailor being tossed to and fro of the waves of the culture and the tides of the time and the econo- economy and everything else. Things get bad in our life and we crash. But not for Christians. We have an anchor, an anchor for the soul that goes all the way into the solid rock, the bedrock of Jesus Christ that reaches into the veil of the holiest of holies that can never be moved, no matter if Satan himself and all the demons of hell try to shake it. Do you have that anchor? Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I close here in chapter 8. He says, verse 31. If, if you continue in my word. Now, this word continue in the Greek is the same word as abide. If you abide in my word then are you my disciples indeed. Now, he's not just saying the 12 disciples. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. And if you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. I reject wholeheartedly this view. Well, we know, we, we got some people who are disciples and they try to follow Jesus. They try to be good. And all these others, they just, you know, believe and they'll go to heaven. No, 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 no. There's no such difference in the word of God. If you are a Christian, you're a disciple. You're a student. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're not, then change your name. Don't call yourself a Christian. Call yourself a Facebookian or a Twitterian or a Trumpian or an Obamian or a a whatever else or a selfian, but don't call yourself a Christian. What does he say? If you will abide in my word, then you're really my disciple. What word? The words of Jesus. Where do we find that? In the newspaper? If so, it's quoted out of context and it's not too good. The place you find the words of Jesus, folks, is right here. If you want to be a Christian, indeed, you need to abide in his word. He says, if, if you will continue, abide in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed. And he says, and you shall know the truth. The truth's being assailed, folks. People don't even believe in the absolute truth anymore. Well, that's true for you, but not true for me. That's fine. Next time a big bus comes down the street, I'll push you out in front and say, that bus coming down the street's true for me, but not for you. Let's test that theory. See how it works. They won't do it. But when it comes to Christianity, well, that's good that you have something you believe. I believe this over here. Folks, it's either right or it's wrong. It's either true or it's not. It's absolute truth. Jesus says, if you will abide in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. There's people at UNC Chapel Hill and Duke and even maybe NC State, God forbid, where my father went. And they have all kind of... (laughs) Uh, all kind of acronyms at the end of their name and they get on tv and people look at them oh these are the people we should listen to this that and the other thing but let me tell you most of them are fools you say "Well, are not brother joseph that's not very nice folks i wouldn't say anything the bible doesn't say the man who said there is no god is a fool who said that the bible more than one place I don't care how much education they got, how much reading, writing, arithmetic, you name it. It doesn't matter. They're a fool. The simplest one of you, maybe you don't even have even a high school education. If you truly believe the Lord Jesus Christ and read this word daily, you are worlds above them. Jesus doesn't say, if you'll go to the right school and if you'll learn how to be hip and cool and say the right things and be in the right circles, you'll be a great Christian. It's all going to burn away. It's all going to be in hell one day. No, the only thing that's going to last is Jesus Christ, the Lord our God, and His people, and His truth, and His infallible, eternal, inerrant, wonderful, and glorious Word. And that <clears throat> science changes all the time, folks. Culture changes all the time. They say that they said it's going to. We're going to go into a. Uh, everything's melting uh, global warming 40 years ago they said we're getting ready to go into ice age now they've got all this evidence that they're wrong about global warming well we believe in climate change so do i just look at the weather it changes every day (laughs) these scientists god have mercy on them jesus says you shall know the truth if you abide in my word you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free and then later on he says and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And that's where we end tonight because I don't want any hands raised, but I want you to think about it. Are you a free man? Are you a free woman? Are you free from the temptation to sin? Are you free in your mind? from fear and doubt and insecurities and all of those things that pester us at night and make us do stupid stuff and say stupid stuff and act ways we know we shouldn't have. Are we really free from those things? You can't be free, folks. No psychology course, no Dr. Freud or anyone else can really get you free from all of this stuff from the guilt that we all feel deep down low, knowing, knowing whether we admit it or not, that there's a God that we're going to have to stand before on judgment day and knowing that we have fallen short. There's a fear there that people always admit. How can we be free from that fear of judgment how can we be free from those insecurities that ruin our life and those temptations and those lusts and those problems and those strongholds and those evil imaginations that come into our minds and our hearts how can we be free there's only one way folks and that's for the man who created you the the god man jesus christ for him himself the one who made you who knows you intimately because he created every single particle, spirit, soul, and body to declare and to set you completely free, free from the bondage of sin, free from the bondage of the evil one, free from the bondages of self that ruin our souls. He's the only one who can, folks. Nobody else has the authority to do it. Before you walk out of here tonight... I want to ask you this one question are you really free there's only one person who can do it it's Jesus Christ our Lord don't leave here tonight with anything left we don't know when the Lord's gonna return Roy Lee Cobb a dear man I didn't know him nearly as well as some of you especially your pastor listen listen young people listen yesterday morning Roy Lee Cobb was planning to be right here. Today, he can't be right here. Praise God for his faith. He's in a far better place. But what if that happens to you or me? Are you absolutely sure with no doubt whatsoever that if that happens to you, you will immediately be in the presence of Jesus Christ? If not, please don't go home tonight without coming forward. There's nothing magical about coming forward. You can come and pray at one of these altars on your own. You can come and talk to me, talk to your pastor. And don't be ashamed. If there's anyone here who has the least doubt, don't risk it for another day. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for complete salvation. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls, folks. That's what we need. He says, come unto me, all you who labor in laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. There's people in here tonight that need rest for your souls. We might have rest for the body, but our souls are tired. Jesus alone can give us that rest. And he says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Is anybody in here tonight that needs to do business with the Lord? I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Gerald. There's no shame in it. Take time. Right in your pew. Come forward. Out there. Talk to me. Talk to Pastor Gerald. Don't leave here tonight without this beautiful, joyous, wonderful salvation that your God came and bled and died for on the cross. Let's pray. oh gracious and merciful loving father in heaven we do praise you our triune god lord this salvation that you have purchased with the blood of the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth this salvation which is far greater than we can even understand you offer freely to us oh lord please if there be even one here tonight that's not sure please help them lord to submit To be a branch to allow you to take the wheel to allow you to be their lord their god their savior to allow you into their hearts yes lord to repent to recognize that we fall short to admit freely to cry out for help and to believe on you Lord Jesus tonight and we thank you Lord that your word does say that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved saved to the uttermost spirit soul and body and Lord if there be anyone here there's many here I know who are born again help us Lord to go forth from this place tonight with a renewed sense that you have a mission for each and every one of us to be priests, to be sacrifices in your holy temple, to be set apart and to get busy with the work that you've called us to for your glory and for your praise. And we thank you in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen.